Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Friday. Okay, we started the show today. I was talking to Kevin Falk and the leader of the BC United, yeah, not the BC, BC Liberal. Liberal Party, no, BC United, leader of the opposition. And we talked about drug decriminalization, which has been in place in BC for, what, two and a half months now. So mm-hmm. two and a half grams is the legal possession limit, heroin, fentanyl, uh, crystal meth, and and this is supposed to be reducing the stigma of drug use and encourage more people to go into treatment. Instead, so what we Has see last month... the number of deaths. Oh, my goodness. Last month was brutal. Mm-hmm. And highest number of overdose calls in a single day, highest number in a 30-day period. So you got Falcon now, who's basically saying, well... You know, this was maybe this was uh, he's saying they didn't bring in enough safeguards when they brought this yeah, in. Yeah, so that's they were they were on an all party committee that endorsed this idea. Um, and again, under the old guys of the BC Liberals, they did endorse decriminalization, but they wanted it to uh, be um, have what are called guardrails and safeguard measures that were outlined by the federal government in a letter yes. to the provinces that we talked about yesterday. Um, more access, uh, more access to treatment centers and like an education more program. More treatment, more law enforcement readiness, yeah. a, a public education campaign, so, yes. which I haven't really seen. No. So the opposition is now arguing, well, those guardrails aren't there. And therefore, uh, our support for this is wavering. And, um, and again, you look, as you mentioned, the, the, uh, the, uh, fatalities associated with toxic drug overdoses is up, yeah. not down. Yeah. So I mean, it's only a couple of months into this this experiment, but yeah. we'll see. I mean, we'll see over time if it has an impact. But maybe it reduces the stigmatization. But right now, it's not reducing the number of people dying. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to watch the political positioning of this. Yes, by and the so it, it is under Falcon's watch. I've, yeah. If memory serves me correctly, they when they endorsed this position in the committee, I don't think Falcon was the leader of the party. I could be wrong. But I don't think he was. So he's inherited this position. I think Falcon is taking the party to a more traditional, conservative, reform party type position on a number of issues. And I think they're going to be, and that's why they're very aggressive in the House right now on the issue of public safety. Yes. Of which the drug welfare crisis is part of the conversation. Uh, they've been pro- prosecuting the NDP fairly effectively in the House in question period on the issue, the never going away, never ending issue of public safety. You know, we've, we've I've mentioned this before. I've never seen public safety and crime yeah. be a sustained top of mind issue in the political arena as we're yeah. seeing right now. Yeah. Let's listen to what he had to say to me. So here's Kevin Falcon speaking to me earlier on the show today about decriminalization of drug possession. Have a listen. We had a health committee. And on the health committee, the recommendation was that uh, if government is going to pursue uh, decriminalization, to make sure that protections were in place. And so we were skeptical, but we were open to allowing it to happen with the proper safeguards in place. Okay, so he's saying that they were supporting it with like the safeguards mm-hmm. that we discussed, which he says are not there now. Yeah, so he's arguing exactly the safeguards are not there, and that's what that's what. No, the government is, by the way, is saying they are there. The yeah. government is saying, no, we're investing more in treatment and and harm so reduction. So you had the mental health and addictions minister Jennifer Whiteside sort yeah. of cause the the BC United side to get quite animated and angry in the House this week because yes. she kept insisting, well, you support this, yeah. And Shirley Bond, um, the health critic, broke from the script, as far as I can determine, just sort of made everyone else sit down. She stood up and said, no, no, we only supported this if the safeguards are there. Yeah, okay. And so the, the uh, BC United is now arguing the safeguards are not there. So they're, it's 
again, uh, they appear to be abandoning their position of a supporting decriminalization. The other interesting thing that's going on is the number of municipalities passing local bylaws mm-hmm. saying, okay, possession of these drugs may be legal here at the federal and provincial level, but you're not allowed to use these drugs in like a park or any other public yeah, spaces. Public spaces. So we saw Kelowna or Kamloops just did that, mm-hmm. Campbell River, and there's several others that are considering. Well, I think it'll be a number thing. that will uh, do this throughout yeah. the course of the summer. Yeah. Um, so again, it's an experiment and it's open question whether it's working. Yeah. Okay. So we continue to follow that one closely. Let's talk about the RCMP in, in Surrey now. And this is uh, speaking of the other never ending issue here. This one's still going on. Interesting exchange in the legislature this week between John Rustad, the leader of the BC Conservative Party now, mm-hmm. right? Former liberal MLA, now a conservative. Talking to the Solicitor General, Mike Farnworth, here about the shortage of RCMP officers in B.C. How does this play into the Surrey issue here? That's really interesting. Let's have a listen, and I'll get your thoughts. B.C. is short more than 400 RCMP officers, and the soft number is closer to 1,500. But with 400-plus retiring annually, the RCMP recruitment is just not keeping up. When it comes to the provincial policing line, that uh, the number of vacancies, hard vacancies, not soft vacancies, is about 277. Uh, That's why we put in place the funding that we did to fill those vacancies. And I can tell you it's not a question of the province having to go and ask. uh, Those are done by the, uh, the federal government. Your thoughts? Well, it's interesting. Sophie Louie asked me on the news hour last night, well, how does this play into the decision that's coming next week on whether the Surrey goes back to the RCMP. This is next week for sure? This next is week. happening? Yep. My farmer okay. tells me it's going to be next week. Interesting. Um, so Farmworth has highlighted the the RCMP vacancy issue a yeah. number of times. Right. And he's also said he's not going to sign off on a plan that would see Surrey's RCMP detachment vacancies be filled with RCMP officers being shifted from other municipalities, like such as Burnaby. Uh, so it, it, it's a bit of tea leave reading here yeah but it seems to me that as every day goes by there's more and more sort of questions about the rcmp I noted last week or this week a surrey ndp mla ushered me into his office and gave me a copy of a toronto Globe mail editorial from two weeks ago that called for the abolishment of the rcmp saying it's a broken institution it's outdated we need a new uh, model so, again, mm. throw that into the mix. What does that mean? A Surrey M- MLA from the NDP is basically advocating getting rid of the RCMP. It just seems to be, on the, on the ledger sheet, more and more negatives associated with the, with the RCMP than the Surrey Police Service. So, with, therefore, that sounds like Farnworth potentially leaning here to telling Surrey... Well, stress the word, ahead, sounds like. Go ahead with your municipal police force. and You're not going to go back to the RCMP, maybe. Well, I mean, maybe he will. Maybe it's Still again, tough to read it. Still tough to read, but yeah. again, the evidence seems to be mounting on the negatives associated with the, with the RCMP. You've got the Nova Scotia shooting inquiry, which Brendan Locke says, well, that's Nova Scotia, it's not us. Well, no, the, the inquiry is basically saying the, NDP, the RCMP institution, the culture, is broken. And that's just not confined to Nova Scotia. You've got the case in, in um, Prince George where you've got two officers charged with manslaughter, but more potentially more disturbing, three officers charged with obstruction of justice trying to cover that up. So five RCMP officers up there. Um, you've got the, the ongoing uh, problem of um, recruitment, and vacancies. I mean, these are. This is. There's been a considerable push for in many quarters for more municipal police forces, a regional police force. 
So it seems to me that, again, signs seem to be pointing to going towards the Surrey Police Services rather than the RCMP. But we'll see. Um, I'm told, though, Mike Farmer has told me the decision is coming next week. Finally. 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 This has taken a long time, so I I hope it will come next week. I'd like to get an answer here Mm -hmm. one way or the other. Okay, we'll watch that one very closely. Just quickly before we take a break here, we'll be talking later on the show about this blockbuster subsidy deal, the federal government with Volkswagen. Huge. $13 billion in subsidies to this automaker to build an electric vehicle battery plant in Ontario. What do you think of that deal? That's a lot of money. It's a huge amount of money. That's like a sightsee dam. I mean, it's like 3,000 jobs. Right. But I find it fascinating. Fascinating! This this whole electronic vehicle mania that's occurring right now. So the United States, this is basically a bidding war with the U.S. Who can establish a, an EV plant the quickest? Yeah. Uh, Biden's got a very uh, ambitious electrical plan down in south. Uh, the uh, recent budget detailed there's going to be more electrical electricity projects in Canada. Not a lot of details on this, but Christopher Freeland's talking about that. And the the goal is to have all cars by 2030, basically new cars to be EVs. Right. No more fossil fuel. But it begs the question, there's a lot of skepticism attached to this because uh, you don't build EVs out of thin air. You need certain minerals to build them, lithium, cobalt, and such. And they only come from certain areas of the world. China has cornered the market on a number of these uh, mining areas, Congo and Indonesia, for example. Chinese state-owned companies own the rights to many of the mines. Uh, they're going to be controlling the supply chain here. So it's one thing to say we're going to spend $13 billion on a plant to build EVs in Ontario. It's another question of whether they're going to get the minerals. Is it going. worth $13 billion bucks well, for 3,000 jobs? I mean, it's a lot know, of jobs. I was, I was taken aback by that number. I mean, yeah. that's a huge subsidy. Yeah. I, arguably... If, I haven't checked, but it's got to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest ever, federal government subsidy for anything. Let's go right to your phone calls. Daryl in Coquitlam. Hi, Daryl. Go ahead. Hi. I, I just wanted to comment on the RCMP. The RCMP, being a federal force, should move into enforcing federal laws, cybersecurity, terrorism, intelligence, enforcing federal laws like on the St. Lawrence Seaway, uh, because RCMP are currently in Quebec and Ontario looking after federal national issues, and the provinces should have their own police forces, just like the OPP and the QPP are set up in Ontario and Quebec, and the model of the RCMP should become more like the FBI in the United States. The FBI was never, pardon me, the RCMP was never designed to have seatbelt checks and give out speeding tickets. That, that wasn't their purpose 100, 125 years ago. Mm-hmm. They, they, they looked after federal issues. I just want your comment on that. Yeah, I think you made some very good points. Um, Others have made those points as well, that this is a model that wasn't designed for municipal policing. This is very much a a sort of a a frontier police force, big picture, rather than, as Dennis says, not about seatbelt checks. And again, my hunch, my feeling is that it's going to go away from the RCMP in Surrey. But again, Farnworth refuses to be pinned down. All all I'll say is that the decision is coming next week. But there's a lot of arguments... This suggests the RCMP model is of yesteryear. Sure, and that's one of the main arguments in favor of a municipal police force in Surrey. Like the Surrey RCMP is the largest municipal RCMP detachment in the country. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of the RCMP activities in British Columbia are like smaller rural parts of the province. This is the largest municipal detachment that they mm-hmm. have, 
And it's one of the reasons why a lot of people would say you're better off with a, a local municipal police department. You know what? I think you're right. It, it, that's the way it seems to be leaning seems toward. If I was to gonna, be. if I was gonna put a bet on this for next week, if I think you had I'd to say, bet, I'd bet on SP on Surrey Police. Uh, yeah. Uh, services, not the RCMP. I think but again, so. It's, it's, so it's, I think a lot of arguments can be made to move away from the RCMP. Balancing against that, though, is you do have an elected council wanting to go a different route to, That's to keep right. the RCMP. Yes, so, and so this is the this is the dilemma the NDP government finds itself in. There's a lot of arguments to move away from the RCMP, but there's a lot of arguments to obey what an elected council wants. Sure, to do. sure. Mike and Vernon. Hi, Mike. Morning, guys. Happy Friday. Um, Hi. So first, quickly on the RCMP um, in Surrey, I'd like to see them start working towards a regional model down there, maybe a south of the, the Fraser model, something like that. I think that's a far more effective policing system, but I know that's a long ways off and they don't want to give up their autonomy. Um, but it was really interesting, guys. You made a comment, I forget which one you did, about you know Kevin Falcon and the uh, BC United starting to lean more towards the conservative side and the Reform Party type, type populist uh, politics. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that the work that I do, I'm in contact with a ton of people still down in the, in the valley where I used to live. Uh, my work up here puts me in contact with a lot of people. And everybody I talk to seems to, their, their number one thing is public safety and getting a handle on this drug thing. And Kevin Falcon, to me, is, you know, reading the room and, and he's responding to it. There's an awful lot of people that just aren't happy with, with a, a few of the things that the NDP are doing, and that's one of them. And, and I get this from people from all political stripes, that public safety and the drug situation needs to be dealt with smartly. Thank you for the call. Yeah, so, well, our drug crisis has been with us for a number of years, and that hasn't really changed. What has changed in the last year or so is public safety. Mm-hmm. It's suddenly risen to the fore in terms of issues. When I mean, our newscast, the news hour, we never used to lead with crime every night. And that's what's happening because there's so much crime out there on a, and on some a random of basis. Just, and some of it's crazy. Like, you know, yeah. the, the guy going into the jewelry, jewelry store, store this Victoria. week in Victoria. Yeah. You know, like some of the video and the stories are what? Like absolutely tragic deaths of people being shot and stabbed. So, oh, in U.S. Minister yeah. yesterday, another yeah, exactly. incident. Yeah, another one. It's just this random violence that's occurring not on a sporadic basis, but on an apparent regular basis. Yeah. David in Kelowna. David, you got 30 seconds here. Yeah, I think the $13 billion on the battery plant is a good investment. It's no different than the aerospace industry in the east or the pipelines uh, that the government's building in TransCanada Pipeline in the west or the oil sand subsidies. They're all subsidized in some way or another, and this is a good investment, and it's long-term. Thank you. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's one thing to build a battery, a plant to build batteries, and then you got to get the minerals to build the batteries. So we'll see if that that part of the equation is going to be. That's solved. a lot of money. It's a you know, it's three thousand jobs. That's not peanuts. That's a lot of jobs in Ontario. Okay, so it'll be part of your tax dollars here Again, for jobs if, in Ontario. If the supply system, the supply chain allows the batteries to be built, those minerals uh, have to come from somewhere. 